Glory, glory. Hallelujah. Amen. Wonderful, wonderful job, Linda. We bless God for you. Thank you for that wonderful prayer. Uh, greetings uh, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, men and women of God, we greet you in his name and in his love. This is the Monday night, June 22nd, uh, River Life Christian Center Bible Study. And we're so delighted to have each and every one of you with us. Today is uh, Monday, June 22nd. We trust uh, 2020, and we trust that all the dads had an awesome Father's Day on yesterday. I also want to just call time out for a second. I want to thank Pastor Michael Ellis for teaching uh, for me on last Monday night. I thank all of you for your prayers. Um, by Wednesday, I was fully restored. I was much better Tuesday night. But I was back close to 100% on Wednesday, and I've been rolling ever since. So uh, I thank you for your love and for your prayers. And tonight, family, we're, we're going to continue our teachings on the names of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Tonight's name is coming from the book of 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 1. And that verse reads as follows. It says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God, our Savior, and Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope. Father, we honor you, we bless you, and we magnify you, God, for you alone are worthy of all praise, God. We're, we're not here by accident tonight. We're here by assignment from on high. You have brought us together. You've made us a family around the prayer and the teaching of your word on Monday and Tuesday. We're, we're so grateful for the men and women of God who give of themselves freely to come and pray and the ones who commit themselves to teaching your word. We bless you for each and every one. And tonight, Lord, I yield to you, ask you to come and take complete charge and authority over every word of my mouth and meditation of my heart, that it might be fully acceptable to you. For Lord, when we're done tonight, it is our desire that you have been glorified and your people have been edified. So we ask this prayer right now. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. Well, men and women of God, I read to you First Timothy 1 and 1. I suspect that you have already picked out the name that we're going to be learning tonight, but just in case you didn't see it, uh, the name that Paul is really addressing for us tonight is our hope. And I heard Pastor, I'm sorry, Deacon Piper, as he was talking about praying for the chokeholds and uh, the, the fact that police are still doing it after the horrendous murder of uh, George Floyd and that everyone is calling that it's over with. And we've got our young people. Sister Teresa was talking about she and Brother Mark going to the Black Lives Matter march on yesterday. People are looking for hope. And one of the things that the Lord shared with me as I was praying about this lesson is that Jesus Christ is our hope. And so tonight we're going to be talking about one of the names of Jesus. 
and that name is our hope. In 1 Timothy 1 and 1, uh, I, I think it's interesting that Paul starts the letter to Timothy by identifying himself and, and describing his authority as he speaks to Timothy. He starts by saying, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. And let me just explain. Uh, you will see Paul in multiple places uh, describe himself as an apostle or an apostle of Jesus Christ. And, and so for those of you who may not know, although I suspect you all probably have a good idea, an apostle, that name really means one sent on a mission. Uh, it's one whom God has sent on an assignment, an errand, and has given them a message that must be carried out as they execute that assignment. So an apostle, an apostle, I'm sorry, is accountable to his sender, and he carries the authority of his, of his sender. So an apostleship is the office of an apostle, or the office that is held by an apostle. And Paul starts this letter to Timothy by clarifying, uh, you know, I'm just not anybody. I'm here on assignment by the Lord as I write this letter to you. And then he continues in the verse, he says, by the commandment of God. And we've already seen that the Greek term, uh, we learned this in, in a previous lesson, the Greek term apostolos uh, translates to the English language, the name is apostle. And it literally signifies a person sent from one person to another without implying any particular dignity to the person or particular importance to the message. It is that they are sent by God. That's where the dignity comes from. That's where the importance of the message comes from. So Paul is saying to Timothy, I am an apostle sent by God uh, on assignment. And, and, and this letter I am writing to you from that position as an apostle. Uh, let me further indicate as I uh, introduce this that the Greek term is differently used in the New Testament being applied to those who were sent expressly from God Almighty himself with the message of salvation to mankind. That's real important because in the New Testament, when one occupies that, uh, that title, they have the message of salvation for the people that they are sent to. So it is therefore the highest character that any human being can have. And the message is the most important which even God himself can send to his intelligent creatures, which would be all of us as human beings, family. It is by the express command of God that, that Paul is sent to the Gentiles, preaching the doctrine of salvation by faith in Christ Jesus. Uh, he then said in the verse, Jesus Christ, our hope. Let me say that again. Jesus Christ. I'm still talking 1 Timothy 1 and 1. And the verse said, Jesus Christ, our hope. Family, without Jesus, 
the world would be hopeless. When, when Deacon Piper talked about praying, uh, uh, that's what our world needs right now. They need prayer. And, and, and as we pray, we are pointing them to the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a salvific assignment that God has given us. And hope doesn't come from law enforcement, although we need them. Hope does not come from elected officials, even though we participate. And too many of our folk died. We go to the polls and vote. But our hope is not in anybody that I've ever pulled a lever for. Our hope is not in our parents, our spouses, our children. Our hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so uh, Paul said, Jesus Christ, our hope without whom we would be hopeless. So the expectation of being saved can only come to mankind by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that is why he is called our hope. We, we, all of this mess that's going on right now, uh, we would be hopeless if we did not know Jesus and know that he has the ability to turn this world right side up. So, he is called our hope as he is called our life, our peace, and our righteousness. Uh, because of him, y'all, hope, life, peace, righteousness, and all other blessings proceed from the one that Paul was calling our hope as he wrote this letter to, first, to, to Timothy, this first letter in chapter 1 to Timothy. So let me read that verse again, and then I'm going to add on to it the second verse, and, and I think it's going to help to illuminate the name our hope even more for us. First uh, Timothy 1, verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope. Verse 2, unto Timothy my own son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. Family, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the commandment of God. So we see that Paul is authenticating his apostleship to Timothy as he is writing this letter making it clear. I, I'm, I'm not just anybody. I have been sent by God uh, with the, the gospel message of Jesus Christ, our hope. And just as we mentioned earlier, that it was fairly common for him to assert his apostleship, indicating that he had been sent on a, a mission from the Lord. Let, let's let's take examine this a little bit further. In Ephesians 1.1, 1, 1, Paul said, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. What is the difference between the commandment that we saw in 1 Timothy and the will of God that we see expressed in Ephesians 1? Uh, the will of God and the commandment of God are essentially the same, yet they are not exactly synonymous. So let me break that down for you. All the commandments which you will find in the Bible reveal the will of God. Uh, this would, would include much more than the Ten Commandments. 
For example, we're told that it is the will of God that we pray. Our First Thessalonians 5, verses 17 and 18, listen to this. It says, pray without ceasing. And verse 18 says, in everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. I said that they're essentially the same, but not exactly synonymous. Uh, pray without ceasing, ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And there, there are many things which are the will of God. They are expressed in his commandments. However, I don't think that we have uh, revealed uh, to us all of the will of God, even in the sum total of the commandments in Scripture. So if we were to examine this more carefully, we discover that the will of God is much is a much broader term than the commandment of God. So let me try to bring that to you a little bit more. Remember, the word has revealed to us enough of the will of God to know that man is not saved by obedience to the commandments of God. And this is important to reiterate, y'all, because uh, there are so many today who say that the law is essential to our salvation. But in verse 8 of 1 Timothy 1, Paul writes, and, and, and this is important, but we know that the law is good if a man uses it lawfully. So then how are we to use the law? First, we need to see that the law is good. So Romans seven twelve gives us context for that. Romans seven twelve says, Wherefore, the law is holy, and the commandment is holy, and just and good. Uh, it's a fact that the law is good and demands absolute goodness from you and me, in whom there is nothing good. Uh, in fact, even though the law is good, because we are sinners, we have difficulty obeying the law. And so Paul takes this a little bit further in Romans 7 and 18, where he writes, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwells no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good. I find not. That's a tension. That's a struggle. Uh, he's acknowledging the law is good, but that's uh, there's a tension in the law, and that's why God had to send the Lord Jesus Christ. The law or the commandment of God were given to reveal the will of God and to show that in order for a sinner to be saved, it is necessary to find a way other then obedience to a perfect law in order for us to understand the use of the law lawfully. Now, I know that's a mouthful, but you know where I'm going with this because all of you have confessed Christ. So let's, let's look at it a little bit further. The glory of the gospel is that God found a way that he might be just and also the justifier of him that believeth in Jesus. And so, though the law is perfect, our challenge is our obedience to the law. 
And so God gave us the Lord Jesus Christ because he recognized the challenge that we would have in trying to keep the law perfectly. And so he justifies us as we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's examine how that occurs. Acts chapter 13, verses 38 and 39. <clears throat> Excuse me. Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. Who is this man? Of course, we're talking about Jesus Christ. This is uh, uh, Dr. Luke in Acts 13, uh, uh, giving us the story that Paul had to come back and tell us. He said that, uh, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. Verse 39, and by him, all that believe are justified from all things from which ye could not be justified by the law of Moses. I hope I'm making that clear for everyone. There's nothing wrong with the law, but we needed the justification that we gained through the blood of Jesus Christ, our justifier, the one who came and brought salvation for us. So let me ask the question, why could they not be justified by the law of Moses? And it was because it was a ministration of death, y'all. In other words, the law brought with it condemnation for those who are disobedient to the law. The law was not given to save us, but the law was given to reveal that God is a holy God. I, I, I don't know if y'all are catching that, but we're talking about a holy God, a righteous God, but also a merciful, a, a, a gracious, and a loving God. And because of that, you and I, though we are not holy, we have been given the right to the tree of life through this one that was referred to in Acts 13, verses 38 and 39. Uh, the law wasn't given to save us, but to re reveal the holiness of God. And the way that God chose to use is the, 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 his son, Jesus Christ, to save us. How, how does that happen? It is the way of the cross. It is the way of the Lord Jesus Christ. You remember Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, according to John 14 and 6. In other words, y'all, the law is not the way of God. That pathway to God is by the way of the cross, and Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. So as we begin, I, I just want you to, to capture something. We were hopeless if, we, if, if the law was all that we had. But because he sent Jesus Christ to die on that cross for us, we have the hope of eternal life. He is our hope, y'all. And when Paul wrote to the Ephesians, that he was an apostle by the will of God. That was true. But when he wrote to the young preacher, Timothy, he said, I'm an apostle by the commandment of God. In other words, God made me an apostle. Uh, what Paul was uh, launching into in this letter was that he was bringing in his apostleship 
uh, a message from God that would give us the hope of salvation. It's not just because I am in the will of God today that I am an apostle. Paul was trying to help him understand. That was a time when he commanded me to be up an apostle. Now, family, let me say this. In my opinion, I suspect that Paul, like every man and woman who has been called by God, probably did not go running to his apostleship. Uh, I, I don't know any true men and women of God who simply uh, ran to it. When they recognized that they were called, they probably did like Moses did. Uh, I believe Paul might have done like Moses did. And that is tried to offer up every kind of excuse or explanation or justification of why he didn't feel qualified. And uh, I believe Paul probably did that. I, I know that that was my story. I did everything I could to try to act like I, I didn't want to receive and believe what God was saying. I had to to grow in my relationship. It caused the Lord had to cause me to to fall down and to 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 go through some things to acknowledge the fact that I was not in charge of my life, that God had put me on earth with an assignment. I had an assignment also. And even though you <clears throat> may be on the line tonight, maybe your assignment is not from the pulpit, but you still have an assignment from God. And Paul had an assignment. God <clears throat> had given him a, a, a call to go and to take this message. And as he was taking this message to to Timothy. I'm sure that not only did he probably want to resist, but if you think about it, Paul hadn't even been with the Lord very uh, long. In fact, he wasn't even present with the other 11 apostles when Jesus was teaching. He never knew Jesus in the days that Jesus was in the flesh. But in Acts chapter 9, he got to know Jesus through the glorified Christ. Uh, Acts 9 verses 3 through 5 is where we see uh, he meets Christ. And later on uh, is when Christ uh, uh, sends him with the gospel message. But let's just read those three verses. Uh, in Acts 9 verses 3 through 5, it says, And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. Verse 4, And he fell to the earth, and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. He said uh, he, he was unworthy to be an apostle, y'all. But the Lord Jesus had said, I command you. If you don't believe me, we go back to 1 Timothy 1 and 1, where Paul said, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God our Savior and the Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope. Uh, that is the reason that Paul was able to walk into a synagogue and go before the gainsaying audience in Athens 
or a group of rotten, corrupt sinners in Corinth, boldly declaring the gospel because he knew that he was a sent one, that he had been given orders to go with that gospel message. He, he, he was uh, another way of saying that is that he, you might describe him as a soldier under orders, an apostle by commandment, not commission, but by commandment. Uh, no one laid hands on Paul to make him an apostle, but the Lord Jesus Christ personally gave him the authority. Now, I want to uh, just give an uh, illustration for a moment, because uh, if we were to look at Jeremiah, we would discover that he had a similar authority. But the difference between Paul and Jeremiah, uh, you might say that Jeremiah was sort of a shrinking violet. I said that uh, I, I acknowledged my call, but I didn't do it without kicking and arguing and, and, and trying to uh, make God prove that he really didn't make a mistake. Jeremiah had an authority, but we could also say he was kind of a shrinking violet, a, a retiring sort of person. Uh, he was a man with a broken heart. But after a while, he acknowledged, recognized that he had to step up. And so he stepped up, he stepped out and gave some of the strongest statements that ever came from God. And why could he do that? He could do it because he too might have been described as a soldier under orders. But he was under orders, not from just any commander. He was under orders from God. Uh, Paul's orders were by command from the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Jeremiah's orders, he was a soldier under orders from God. Any person who is going to speak for God today needs to do so or to do it with authority or we ought to just keep quiet because unless we are doing it with the authority, we really don't have uh, a right to be in the pulpit. We've got to make sure. And that's why uh, many people, when they are called in the gospel ministry, they struggle. They, they go through arguments and fights and uh, it takes a minute before we... Uh, finally submit, but we understand we don't have authority in and of ourselves. That authority comes from the Lord. And Paul said that he was uh, not only a man under authority, but he was under command uh, to carry forth that gospel message. And what was the message? Christ, our hope. Uh, again, I refer back to uh, Sister um, Teresa, she was talking about Brother Mark on yesterday and, and how the young people were coming to him and he was able to encourage them uh, with words of hope. And, and Brother Mark's words of hope, he has gained down through the years as God has connected him with men and women of God, including his wife and the young man that Pastor Hayes has introduced him to, pouring in and giving Brother Mark the kind of hope, the kind of encouragement, uh, the kind of strength, the kind of confidence that when the young folk approached him, he was also a man under authority who was able to give uh, a, a word that encouraged those young folk. So he wasn't some kind of wishy-washy man, 
uh, who didn't have a word to bring, but he had a word in season. Uh, and, and, and I would suggest to you that Paul was an apostle who spoke with authority or with the authority of God. He said, my authority comes from, excuse me, from God, our Savior. Uh, this is God, y'all, and he most definitely is. Uh, John 3.16 said it this way. He said, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. In other words, y'all, the hope that we're talking about was gifted to us, was given to us, was provided to us by way of a sacrifice. Who is the sacrifice? Well, it is the one that Paul was talking about in the letter that he wrote to Timothy. The hope, uh, the one who is the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who came to earth and was executed for my salvation, for your salvation, and for our hope. And so the Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope, and to say that Christ is our hope, uh, it might seem strange to those who don't know, but that's our assignment, y'all, that to remove him from being a stranger to a world that is turned upside down, to making him uh, not only known, but that they will turn to him as you and I have, as their hope for salvation, as their hope for deliverance. We, as, as we go back to Second Chronicles 7, 14, and we pray that prayer, as we consider what we have heard uh, Paul as he was writing this letter to Timothy tonight, we recognize that as we pray as God's people, and seek his face, and turn from our wicked ways. The Lord said, then will I hear from heaven, and heal the land. Those young people are out there. I mentioned to you last week, they go, hands up, don't shoot. But family, I'm going to just remind you tonight. I think I said this last week. Hands up is a position of surrender. And the reality is that the stuff that we're fighting against in our intellect, we can come up with all kinds of ideas of what we think is the answer, but our intellect will fail us. There is no mind that can match up to the mind, the purpose, the will, and the intent of Almighty God. And so rather than me trying to tell you what I think or listening to my elected officials telling me what they think or listening to the commissioner of police telling me what he thinks, or, or anybody else, I am looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of my faith. He is my hope. And I do believe that because he is our hope, even in the face of the, the tragedies that we've suffered as a, a people, with people being killed needlessly and all manner of racism being executed throughout this country needlessly. That young man, the race car driver, needing security now because uh, uh, he simply said, remove this symbol of racism from a track. Uh, all of this, uh, th those are people doing what comes to their mind. But when you and I, you and me, when we, the people of God, the ones who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as our hope, begin to look unto him as our hope and begin to present him as the hope to a dying and lost world, 
then we can have the hope of knowing that soon and very soon, the king himself will come riding into town and he's going to turn this world that we are struggling in right now from upside down to right side up. Uh, this is what Paul wants us to know as he introduced us to Jesus Christ as our hope. Family, I've got so much more that, that's connected to that name, but I just took a peep at the clock and it told me my time is up. So next week we'll look, we'll go deeper into the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as our hope. God bless you. We love you. I'm going to say to you now, you can take your telephones off of mute. And we want to hear from you tonight. Let's talk about Christ, our hope. God bless you. Come on, some family, and let's hear what you got to say.